Welcome to Vibrant Potential. Today's guest is Michael Neely. You might know him from his successful podcast, Consciously Speaking. What you might not know is that he's a former professional actor, a personal development coach, and a student of Buddhism. Quite a diverse background. He's committed to living a conscious life. He also helps others to do the same. I highly recommend you check out his free virtual summit on conscious life by visiting www.drchrisfrickman.com slash CLS. C like conscious, L like life, and S like summit. In today's episode, I pick Michael's brain for his best tips on cultivating awareness. I also share my favorite. We also talk about the stories you're running unconsciously and how they are affecting your life. Let's just get right into it. Here's to your vibrant potential. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. Michael, thanks for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me here, Chris. Awesome. I am super excited about the Conscious Life Summit that you've got coming up in just a few days. So we are definitely going to get into that a little bit. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions about that. And some of the listeners may be really interested in, in signing up for that. So we'll f- let them know like where they can find out about it and all that stuff as well. Uh, I was wondering if we could just talk a little bit about about getting some tips about some things. Um, I th- you know, your podcast is called Consciously Speaking. Mm-hmm. And one thing about consciousness is awareness. Now, I don't know if you'd call, I don't know if you think those two words are synonymous or if they're just related. But in terms of awareness, I think awareness is so important because it's almost, if you think of it like a skill, awareness is something that, I mean, it can help you break addictions. You could help you lose weights. It can help you heal broken relationships. I mean, awareness, it, I mean, it just brings you to the present moment and it allows you to live what I would say would be a more conscious life. Absolutely. My question for you is, first of all, do you agree or disagree, I guess? <laughs> and then secondly, if you agree, do you have any tips that you use? Because I know you coach people and as well as doing the podcast and all that stuff. Um, what are your best tips for cultivating awareness in people? Sure. So I agree and disagree. And, and um, I agree in that it is awareness, but it doesn't end there. And this is where I think a lot of people get confused by it is they think, well, yes, I'm, I'm aware that you're speaking to me right now, and that's where it ends. And to me, that's not being fully conscious. Fully conscious would be a deeper awareness that, oh, and I notice 
that as you're saying this, I, I might feel anger come up or something. And a deeper level still would be to go, but you know what? My anger isn't about you. It may be about something that I've experienced in my past that's filtering up for me. So there are all these levels of consciousness. And if you talk to any anesthesiologist, they'll confirm that even when they're taking people under, there's so many levels of unconsciousness even. And so that's where I think it's very different. Someone could say, yeah, well, I'm totally conscious because I'm aware. There's a little more to it than that. And then the other part of your question was uh, tips on it. Uh, You know, I'd say some of the bigger things are to look deeper, to not take things for just that first layer that comes up. And as an example, let's say uh, a practice that I teach people is in couples specifically. Let's say you're upset with your partner. (laughs) Frequently, the women upset with the man. He's left his socks on the floor again in the living room. And... Yeah, exactly. And she's, uh, damn it, that really pisses me off when you do that. Okay, so that would be the unconscious way to communicate it. A more conscious way would be to say, I noticed that when I saw your socks on the floor, I felt anger. I felt angry about it. And as then she could explore more deeply about it and go, oh, you know what it really feels like is that you don't support me, that you don't care enough about me, that you leave things there so that I have to pick them up. And so that's taking it down a layer. And then to, to even then look further to a layer beneath that and go, you know what? It reminds me of when I was growing up, how this always happened and I didn't feel supported. And so you see how there's all these layers. So the first thing really in any practice is to take ownership, 100% responsibility. You notice that it wasn't the person who was getting in trouble, the one getting yelled at, who had to bring consciousness to the foreground, but the person who's having the experience of anger or whatever you're experiencing to then go deeper. Mm-hmm. Make yeah, sense? It, it makes total sense. And it's, man, there's, I feel like there's so many ways, so many directions I could go <laughs> with this. Um, yeah. I guess the way that I'm going to go is that the last thing that you said was that it's not the person that's sort of getting yelled at, so to speak, that mm-hmm. is uh, responsible for figuring those emotions out. And, and I, I would say too, though, that at the same time, that person also could take responsibility for whatever, I mean, and I don't mean just taking responsibility for the socks that were left on the floor, but, (laughs) but like noticing like, Oh, my partner is like totally like going off the rails right now. Like, and then just going, Hmm, that's interesting. Like, I wonder what's going on there instead of, instead of, holy crap, I'm, I'm just so pissed that you're yelling at me about the socks. Who cares about the socks and, (laughs) you know, or whatever. So regardless of the situation, you can always choose to do what you said is take that hundred percent responsibility. Yeah. And I would totally agree. And that the partner then who left the socks on the floor, when they see that happening, they're going to be more receptive to go, oh, I get it. So it's not even about the socks. It's about you feeling supported. Mm -hmm. And I want to support you. And so if picking up the socks will help with that, then I'll do that. It's a lot. They're more, they're going to be more responsive to that than to just pick them up because you want the floor clean. You know what I'm saying? And, and the other piece that happens with that too, is that as the person 
well, let me put this into a real world example. So my wife loves to walk to the beach. We live real close to the ocean here in Santa Cruz. And she loves to go for hikes down to the beach. I'm not a big walking guy. I love the ocean, but I don't need to go walk down to every day. And so frequently she'll ask me to go with her and I'll be, no, honey, I, I'm doing some other stuff. I got this going on. And sometimes she'll get upset with me. And at one point she expressed to me that it wasn't even about whether I go on the walk with her to the beach. It was about the feeling connected. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, then I can go, oh, okay, well, yeah, I want to feel connected with you, but maybe let's find a different way then than going to the beach. And so you can both create a win-win in that situation when you really get to the underlying issue that's at hand. What's the value of cultivating that awareness? In your example of the woman getting mad about the socks and then and then she maybe she stops herself from just like going off, you know, and, and just totally yelling and rah, rah, rah. But and then she starts to notice like, oh, actually, I'm angry. And then there's, you know, you even mentioned like going all the way back to childhood, blah, blah. I want to get in deeper about how to do it. But first, what's the value? I have one idea, but I'm wondering from your perspective, what's the value of getting into that? The big thing is in a relationship, it will bring more connection okay. because you will start to really understand each other instead of just the nag back and forth. Mm. You really start to get it. And the other thing that happens is just for your own personal development, you really start to work at some of the issues that may be going on for you. So for myself, if I notice that I get angry in traffic a lot, yep. and that's that's an upset that I have, and I still do. It's a challenge for me. Yeah. And after a while, I start to look at it and go, okay, why am I upset? What is it about? And as I take off the layers, I realize, oh, you know what? It reminds me of this feeling around time, like there's just not enough time and therefore traffic is wasting my time. Well, yeah, yeah. I, you I've know, gotten that one. I've gotten that yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, what a waste of time. Yeah. Right. And then as I start to look at that and I go, okay, well, where, where is it that I've wasted time in my life? And I have this anger about myself for wasted time, mm-hmm. either, you know, years of doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing or whatever the case may be. And so then when I start to realize, okay, so I'm still wasting it right now. In this traffic, I could be listening to an awesome podcast like yours, you know, instead of complaining about the traffic. Right. And so, so we can start to make personal shifts when we start to really get in touch with the underlying issue, which almost never is it about the thing that we're experiencing. Yeah. Almost never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that the second uh, – the second – your second answer was the one that I had in my head. It was basically the way I think of it is is, is it just leads to more peace in, inside of me. So yeah. I'm not always this angst about – I'm not just always pissed off at the outside world or something. <laughs> like the, the, more I, the more I go in and can figure out like what's going on for me right now, like why am I getting angry right now? Why am I so anxious? And, and it's this ongoing thing for me. I haven't – I haven't hit a stride where I've like never, now I'm never anxious. I've ne- I haven't hit that stride yet. <laughs> so it's the constant Very work, few but, do. <laughs> yeah. So it's the constant work, but it's, it's so worth it. It, it just, it pays dividends and, and then you're just able to show up in, in bigger, better ways in every part of your life. I feel like you show up 
more you, you give more value to your relationships, your friendships. You, you you can do bigger things, you know, in life, in business. You can contribute more, and you know, I think it's just to me, it's like almost the thing to do in life. Yeah, I'm with you 100. percent All right, awesome. So then, coming back to kind of my first question was what are the tips for cultivating that? So, because in the first place you went was just talking about noticing it, mm-hmm. but don't you find that just that's a skill, like just even the skill <laughs> of, of being like, hold on, like, like the, the anger that, or whatever reaction, like some people are angry, some people, whatever they, they, they go inside, they throw the wall up and then they, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you can't reach them emotionally, whatever, whatever their response is, that that reaction happens and catching it before the reaction happens that's a cultivated skill oh totally and obviously partly it's just like practice 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 but what do you have you ever uh, given any tips or found any tips that you find useful for people in in like noticing it before it's sort of too late yeah well i'm going to kind of sidetrack a little bit before I get into that answer fully. And that is that I'm always very cautious to to not have people expect perfection. And the way that I kind of ease that a little bit is that what what you're talking about is that moment when you get triggered and you, you blow up or whatever it may be, you implode. It could be a lot of different ways when we get triggered, a lot of different things that happen. The practice is to Shorten the gap between when you get triggered and when you notice you've been triggered. Mm-hmm. Because frequently it's going to happen without us noticing. But if we can, you know, like you might get triggered and an hour later go, oh, wow, I just really blew up over nothing. It had nothing. I wasn't really that angry. It was something from yesterday that my boss said to me or whatever it might have been. Yeah, yeah. But it took you that long to recognize it. If well, you can shorten days, right, Michael? Right. Yeah. 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 It could you be days. Know, you don't realize it till a week later when you're in therapy <laughs> with your wife that, like, oh yeah, I guess there was something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally can be that long. And so to shorten it to go get triggered and then go, oh wait a minute, wow, yeah, I notice I'm being triggered. Get that gap really tight, and then ultimately, of course, like you said, would be able to catch it before it happens. And I think as this becomes a practice, you get better at it. You'll get triggered fewer times. You may not even notice it because it doesn't happen as much. Okay. Okay. So kind of practice, is that your just practice? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's a good practice. Meditation, of course, is always a great practice. And the other thing I like to dispel about meditation is a lot of people hear that and they go, Oh, I'm not going to sit for 45 minutes on a cushion or whatever. Meditation can be two minutes, a minute. Just take, that moment of mindfulness and collect your thoughts and just focus on your breath, slow down. And when you start to develop a practice like that, I meditate while I'm doing dishes. I just really focus on I'm wiping the dish. I'm drying the dish. A practice you know? of mindfulness? Yes, totally. And when you get that down after practicing for some time, and again, even just short little moments of that, that brings your awareness to the point, because it's like slowing down time almost, that then when something starts to happen, you'll bring, that'll almost naturally come into play that you go, oh, wait a minute, I notice what's happening here in this moment. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to be able to stop it, because sometimes we notice it and we still go along with it. Yeah, yeah. 
But the the trick is to ultimately get to where you notice it and you go, oh, wait a minute, pause, time out. Let's not go down this path. Yeah. This is not, yeah, we're getting triggered now. Let's take a breather. Let's move our bodies and then let's revisit this. Yeah, and to your point, I think it, the the idea is not to, we are emotional beings. And to sure. my, to, in my experience of life, we're probably, the goal is not to not be emotional beings. So you're still going to get angry. But wouldn't it be great if you could just notice and, and start doing some self-exploration when you're angry as opposed to saying hurtful things and yeah. do, doing things that you regret? Well, I quit, you know, or whatever. Like <laughs> the, next, mm-hmm. the next day, like, whoops, so actually I was <laughs> thinking about that. and Didn't really mean it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you still are going to be angry, but then it's just asking that question about, well, wow, like what's going on here? How come I'm angry and stuff? And, yeah. Well, and sometimes it could, it, I, I want to discern for people, too, that there's definitely healthy anger. Maybe what you're angry about needs for you to be angry about it yeah, right. and take a stand for yourself. Now, when I say anger, the, the, and again, with conscious anger, it doesn't become about lashing out. When you're conscious about your anger, it's a stand for what is right for you. And it may be listen. I'm not going to tolerate this behavior. If you want to be around me, you need to fix this. Mm-hmm. And, and express it in a way that's healthy anger as opposed to pointing fingers and going, you are such a jerk. I can't believe you did this to me. You know, it's total victim speak. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just saying, I don't want this in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm even, I'm even thinking of back to the example just to, you know, it's your personal example that you brought up about the beach walk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't even need, there's not necessarily even anger when you realize what's going on. And it's like your wife realizes I have to, this is so important to me. I have to be with someone that wants to hike with me to the beach. And, and then, and you're just in a spot where you're like, I absolutely do. I choose not to, Love, I love you, but I choose not to ever hike to the beach because of this reason or whatever. Like if, mm-hmm. if you, usually it's not that black and white, but if, if, <laughs> right. if there was like seriously like this, this schism of like, I have to have this and I have to not have this, you could choose, you could both be conscious of like, oh, I have this need, I have this need. They're in complete juxtaposition yeah. and not be angry about it. And then, I mean, hopefully that's not what happens in a marriage, but sometimes that's what happens in a relationship where yeah. whether it's business or whatever, and sometimes that's when it's like, okay, maybe it seems like this isn't a good fit right now then. Right, exactly. My, my former wife, yeah, you don't get hurt about it because you realize it is what it is. And so my former wife and I, we had a very conscious divorce. We're actually writing a book on it called Conscious Divorce. And we're still very good friends, and I met my current wife through her, even. So, and we double date now, both remarried. So, it is about realizing it, communicating that, and sometimes there will be an impasse. And sometimes it'll be like, look, I want this. You definitely don't want that. Therefore, and, and those are super important things to us. Therefore, we can't really be together in that way. Right, right. And, and the cool thing about expressing it too, though, is that. If you let a partner know, hey, this is what I take a stand for for myself, and then the other partner can get it and go, oh, okay, well, you know what? I'm, I'm cool to walk to the beach. Then if it's that important to you, right, right. I, I'm all for it. 
Yeah. And so you'll get to experience that as well, though, when you start to communicate these things. Right, right. Awesome. That's really great stuff. I, I, I'm going to finish that little thought up with saying that my, my trick mm-hmm. is, is just always trying to be interested. Mm-hmm. So, And I don't mean interested in the other person. I just mean just being interested in life, interested in like what's going on, interested. Is curiosity, yeah, is curiosity. Yes. That, yeah. Yes, that, that's essentially what I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, using it interchangeably, like, oh, interesting, like, mm-hmm. Michael, um, mm-hmm. why did you just say that? Like, like, that was like a thing that seems kind of offensive to me and... <laughs> You know, that, that's interesting that you chose to say that or, you know, like whatever thing. Totally. Um, and then, totally. Because when you come from it, like from this curiosity standpoint or just like, huh, I'm interested in what's going on for you right now or whatever. It's so, uh, I don't know. I just, for me, I found that that diffuses so many things before. It, it really does. Yeah, it really does. And I actually use that as a tool with my clients. I teach them to be curious, to you know, we call it even creating wonder questions like, oh, cool, huh, yeah. I wonder what that's all about. I yeah. wonder what it's about for me. I wonder what it was about for you. And so that's the other piece, too, is that you you don't take things so personally when you start to realize, oh, they've got something going on over there. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about that yeah, yeah. as well. And so big shifts can happen. And And even if someone really is angry, if you want to diffuse it instead of that, snapping back would be to go, wow, I noticed that you're really anger or really angry right now. And I wonder what that's all about for you. Can we talk about it? And people, it kind of disarms and it them. To, and it has to be authentic. Oh, totally. You yeah. could just change your tone of voice <laughs> slightly and come off really sarcastic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, what's that all about, honey? Noticing you're being a real bitch right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Be so, careful of that. Another question I had was that I wanted to ask you before we even got on the on the phone here was about underlying beliefs. And I'm going to segue somewhat by asking, you had said, talking about when we first started, you were talking about these different layers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had said that going back to like, oh, yeah, that reminds me when my dad used to like make us walk home from school because he forgot us after school or something, you know, whatever thing happened. Sure. So going all the way back and then, and then like, so that because of that, like I, I realized now, like through doing some consciousness work and stuff. And I, I realized that I, I formed this belief that if people are late, they don't care about me or something. And, you know, and, and then there could be even deeper beliefs and stuff. Sure. So, so I guess my, so let's see here. How do I ask this question? How does someone know if they have an underlying belief that is sort of running their programming? Right. That's, that's a good question. Um, quite honestly, most of the time they don't know mm-hmm. until you help them as a coach. That's what my job is, is to help them to discover it. And so the way we do that is first to look at the symptoms. So let me, again, use a real-world example for you. One of my clients has an issue where he's kind of hit a financial ceiling. And he's really struggling to make more money. And as we dug deeper into that, you know, you start to realize, oh, well, let's see, what are your thoughts about money? And we started to go back and, 
we, we literally went back all the way till he was six years old and he shared the story of Christmas time. There were some carolers coming by their house and knocked on the door. And he remembers standing there with his father, you know, listening to the Christmas carolers. And he saw some other kids through their, you know, the living room window there who were looking into the house and pointing at the presents under the Christmas tree. And he said, these kids looked like they were poorly dressed and their jaws were wide and they were big eyed as they stared and pointed at the beautiful presents because they had a lot of presents under their tree. And he formed this thought that, oh, those poor kids, they're probably going to go home to no presents hmm. or maybe just one crappy present or something. And, and so as we talked about this, we realized his, his underlying belief he had created was it wasn't fair that he had more. Mm. And so now for him to make more money, because there's so many people starving in the world, he's a very compassionate person. He feels like he shouldn't make more money while there are people starving. Mm. And so you notice how that can create these uh, boundaries for us that aren't really real, all based on a, on a falsehood. And I mean, when you really think about it, if he made more money, he could be more generous with it, and he could take care of more people in the world. He could donate more mm -hmm. to help more people. Mm -hmm. And the back to the story piece, so what I do in working with clients and, and my book, which I hope to have out in November, is called The Art of Forgetting. It's about taking the story that we've created and separating the fact from the fiction. Mm -hmm. And in this particular instance, the fact was he saw some kids in front of his house, staring in the window, pointing. The story he made up was that they were poor and that they weren't going to have any presents when they got home mm -hmm. and that it wasn't fair. So these are all pieces of fiction that he made up around the facts. And we all do this yep. in our lives. We create these stories. We see something happen. We make it mean something that it doesn't mean. And we do this in relationships all the time. You know, like, again, your wife sees the socks laying on the floor. She makes it mean you don't care about her. Right. You know, and it doesn't. Oh, actually, the socks are just laying on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yep, totally. So why bother going back to the six-year-old story? Why not just – because we're making stories all the time, like you just said. Sure. Like, like I know you don't care about me because you left the socks on the floor. Uh. That's an interesting story to tell yourself. Is is that benefiting you in some way? Because that doesn't seem like a story that I would want to run. <laughs> so, right, right. No, like I'm. No, it doesn't mean that. It's just what's what's actually the fact is the socks are just on the floor. That's the fact. So the, anything else is a story. Yeah. And and if you don't like that being the reality fact, then we can talk about different <laughs> behaviors in the future. You know, blah blah blah. So why go back to the six-year-old story? Why not just deal with the story that's right in front of you? Well, you want to do both. And the way that it works overall, really, is you'll find that through the years, that was just one particular instance, mm -hmm. excuse me, but through the years, he's built up a lot of other evidence. Mm -hmm. So anytime he'll see something, he might see another wealthy person who's blowing their money like crazy and not donating anything. Mm -hmm. Boom, that, that proves his story of it's mm -hmm. not fair. Yep. So you start the to collect story is gaining roots. evidence. Yes, he's getting all this proof lined up. And so 
you really, in order to start to erase it, you've got to dig down deep. It's like an archaeological dig. You know, you've got to unearth all this stuff and start going way back as far as you can remember. Start removing the fiction of it. And one of the exercises that I do with people is to have them recreate these stories and and build it up with all the drama and the flair because we're we're writers essentially we write the stories of our lives and so have them put it all down and then have them go through it over and over again and after a while they'll even start to see oh wait a minute this was a made up piece this was a fact this was a made up piece and when they start to see all of the parts that they made up they they lose their grip and the idea is that ultimately you want them to lose their grip entirely. So it's just pieces of facts here and there. And the reality is what you want to make it now. Uh, Shamini and I, my partner, we talk about revelations sometimes because we'll have these revelations. We'll just have these moments, mm-hmm. these ahas sort of like, oh, my gosh, yeah. this is insane. <laughs> like, you won't believe what just happened. And let me tell you about it. And then, and then you tell them about it. And depending on the person that you're talking to and you're relating to and, and depending on their life experiences and so on, uh, they might cerebrally get it or they may not even get it at all cerebrally even. And, and very frequently, there won't be that same revelatory experience of like, <laughs> whoa, like mind blown, you know? Um, yeah. I, I think that when you go back to the six-year-old story, it's more common that people have this mind blown experience. Like, because if, if it's the guy that if you're talking about and the guy that's, uh, let's see, he's having issues making more money than what he's making. And yeah, you know, the other day, Michael, I saw this guy, he's like driving around this Lambo and he's, you know, (laughs) whatever with his money. And I'm judging that as wrong and making it wrong and stuff. And, and then somehow you point out that, you know, or he, he, maybe he finds it, maybe you point it out, but it's like, actually he just has money and he has a, he bought a Lambo. Like it, it, it's not that that's wrong. You're, you're making that right. wrong, but maybe that's not right for you, but for him, obviously it is right because it's what yeah. it is. <laughs> so yeah. And, and, and as far as you know, that person could have bought the Lambo and then also donated a million dollars to charity. Yeah, or his mom bought him the Lambo, or, or true, yeah, <laughs> yeah, knows, whatever. So, <laughs> right. So, but but at any point, at any rate, what I'm saying is 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 the person might be like, yeah, okay, I guess you're right. Like, yeah, I see what you mean. I'm making up that story. You're right. I don't I don't really know, but it's less common to have this like whoa revelation <laughs> about that versus like the six year old like with the with the you know the the whole vision of the kids outside the window and all that right. stuff. That's more like when you see that that for yourself, that I feel like that's like the, Oh my gosh, the reverse zoom <laughs> is happening. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is, this has been running my whole life. Yes. Like, this is crazy. I, I think that might be one of the big values of going backwards that far. Well, it, it's definitely one of them. And because the truth is what you were just talking about was seeing it real current time we might brush it off, but it doesn't take care of the underlying issue. It's like putting a Band-Aid over you know, a gaping wound. You need to really go to what was the underlying cause of it? Where's all your story coming from? And, and man, it's frequently from when we were kids we made this stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
What's your number one health tip? Well, I was just going to say one of the things for me is I'm probably not in my best of health right now. I've been working too hard mm, and okay. not getting enough uh, balance. And so that actually leads me to what I would say is the number one tip is to find that balance. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand like there may be times because you know I have this summit coming up where I'm working so hard to get that ready that the gym going and working out takes a back seat. Yeah. But, but balance is so important. So find the time, make the time fit it into the schedule because it's so important. Well, since you, since you are in this super busy time where you're, where you're ramping up for this, this summit that you're about to launch and thank you so much for that work, by the way, Michael, because a lot of people are going to benefit from that. Sure. I want to ask you though, since you're right in the middle of this right now and, and since you mentioned balance, I use the word balance all the time and then sometimes I sometimes I correct myself and I say actually I'm looking for harmony because I'm not looking for mm-hmm. for actually like the actual equal amount of mm-hmm. you know family and fitness and fun and business and they don't all have to be equal and balanced they have to be harmoniously in your life. I, I like that. I would kind of say it's okay that you're not working out for two weeks or, or whatever. Like, you know, like that can be part of the overall harmony. I mean, and I'm like a huge, like, Hey, working out is like, you got to do it, you know? But, mm-hmm. um, so I'm a big fan of physical activity and stuff, but if that, that could be part of the beauty of the harmony of your life and what you're creating and contributing and, and all those things for a short amount of time, what would you say about that? No, I would say you're spot on with that. And that's exactly what I tell my wife. It's like, look, you know, this is for a short, brief spurt. It's kind of like running a sprint. It's like I'm sprinting right now. I cannot, <laughs> you know? I cannot keep it at, at this like level forever. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm getting like five hours of sleep a night and Ouch, working, yeah. you know, 14 and 15 hour days. And But at no way I could keep up this pace for long. But for the sprint to bring this summit home, you know, hey. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done. And and then I'll go move on to the next thing, (laughs) work out. What do you want people to know about the Conscious Life Summit? You know, it's it's great based on the conversation that we've just had. We've spoken about just kind of a smidgen of the world of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And in actuality, what we talked about was the area of consciousness that I have most of my life focused on in relationships and in the way that we are as human beings. But there are so many other elements. There's conscious sexuality. There's conscious parenting. How do we parent our children in a conscious way? Mm -hmm. How do we run a business consciously? Mm -hmm. And so the Conscious Life Summit is about bringing all of that under one roof so that listeners will get a taste of, oh, this is what conscious marketing is. Oh, this is what conscious sexuality is and conscious fitness and conscious nutrition. And so all of these elements I've got 24 guest experts in 12 different categories that will do even a little more than give people a taste of it. They'll actually even, you'll be able to walk away with some great tips and go, oh, you know what? I'm going to be able to uh, eat better, work out better, have better sex, (laughs) all these things when you bring consciousness to it. So that's the whole gist of it. I think for Vibrant Potential listeners, this is right up their alley. If you can gain awareness, if you can gain consciousness, I mean, that's that's basically what it's all about. For you know, from my paradigm, uh, you know, I talk a lot about nutrition, a lot about fitness, and some of these other aspects of health. Mm-hmm. And really, in the end, though, it's it's about how we're showing up. So. 
con- and, and staying fit, for example, is, is my way of, of not having my body be the piece that's, that's holding <laughs> me back from expressing my full, what I call vibrant potential. Yeah. It's my full best self, my, you know, so I can show up and bring the most I have to the world. Yeah. So um, I love it. And, and anybody that's listening, I recommend that you check out the Conscious Life Summit. Uh, Michael's put it together so that you can see it, you can see all of it for free. You can ahead of time go in and, and you can buy uh, the, you know, the lifelong version of it for like just a I mean, it's like a few bucks. It's it's crazy cheap. So yeah, you get a lot of bonuses. Yeah, yeah, and there's tons of bonuses. It's awesome. So check it out. You can check out the show notes for today's show at drchrisfrickman.com slash conscious. And if you want, you can go to drchrisfrickman.com slash C like conscious, L like life, S like summit, C. So drchrisfrickman.com slash CLS. And that'll bring you right to a page where you can just check out the the summit and uh, you can choose to sign up for free. You can do the, you know, pay the few dollars and have the unlimited access to it if you want to do that. So, but go check it out either way. And uh, Michael, any last words? No, just thank you so much for taking the time to have me on your show and, and share this with your listeners. It's of course a message I'm very passionate about. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. It's, it's right up our alley. So thanks so much for your time. Take care. Today's Inspired Action Invite is based around my conversation with Michael today about underlying beliefs, or what I usually refer to as our stories we are making up and running. Make no mistake, we are all running these stories all the time. The goal isn't to obliterate all stories from your programming. Our stories actually help us to become more efficient. If we have to constantly reevaluate every circumstance in our lives without the benefit of relating to our past experiences, we'd never get anywhere. In fact, we'd probably end up dead pretty quickly. Think about this. I have a memory of being a child. Not sure exactly, but I'm going to guess roughly that I was five. I grabbed my mom's curling iron that was plugged in and it was obviously hot in the bathroom. I learned a lesson very quickly that I wasn't going to do that again. Now the fact was I touched a hot curling iron and the story I made, or really more like a rule in this case that I made for myself was to make sure curling irons weren't hot before grabbing them. And I'd say that's a rule that's pretty much served me well over the years that have followed. Consider how my life may have been different if I had made up a more involved story. I could have come to the conclusion that curling irons are evil, and every time I saw one for the rest of my life, I could go running, screaming from the house. That probably wouldn't have served me very well, right? Now, I know I'm being a cheeseball here, and this seems silly, but the reality is this isn't far off from what we really do in life. It's good to have operating rules and stories, or underlying beliefs, whatever you want to call them. It's how humans operate. It's how we learn. It's part of how we grow. Another part of how we grow, though, can come from evaluating our stories from time to time. So here's my inspired action invite for you this week. Once a day, I want you to journal about something you got upset about that day or the previous day. By the way, to be very clear, 
We don't get upset at all our stories. It's just that often the stories that aren't serving us are the ones that leave us feeling bad in some way, upset, angry, whatever. So sit down and write out what you were upset about. First, write out what happened, and then write why you were mad about it, or sad about it, or whatever you're writing. Most likely the why will be the story that you made up. So just check that story out. See if it serves you. See if you can pull the actual plain facts from your story. Michael's example was fact. You left the socks on the floor. Story. You don't care about me because if you did, any rational person would put their socks away. I invite you to try this out for one week. If it serves you, of course, you can continue it longer. If you want to dive deeper, you can feel free to reach out to Michael, who coaches around this type of stuff all the time, or you can feel free to reach out to me, of course. I do work around this as well, and if I can't help you, I have tons of great resources and referrals, like Michael and and many others, that I can point you to. In the meantime, try the exercise on your own, because you'll gain insight just from that. Until next time, I'm Dr. Chris Frickman, and here's to your vibrant potential. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.